This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing and living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. All right, welcome to the Saturate Podcast. This is our sixth episode. It's going pretty fast. Uh, today we have David Achata joining us. Uh, David is the leader in Saturate who helps us organize and actually coach uh, many of many of you, our listeners, many uh, church planters, church leaders. He's a super gifted coach. It's what he's done in his professional career life. It's also just the type of person he is as a person who listens, cares about people, thinks through stuff with others. And super excited to have David join us. He was part of Soma Tacoma. He helped uh, start a church in Southern California. He's now in Cleveland, Tennessee, uh, living there, living the rural dream life where he grew up. Uh, with his wife, his children, and it's just, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you, David. Welcome to the Saturate Podcast. Great. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it, man. So, David, uh, one of the things that we often connect about, I think, is your love for gardening. And since you've moved back to Cleveland, Tennessee, you've gotten into it. And so how is the gardening going? How does your garden grow? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's a, it's awesome, man. I mean, to, to go from an environment that we were in, uh, urban environments for many years to coming back to the country, which is how I was raised has been really healing for us. Um, you know, to be able Mm -hmm. to stand around the garden in the evening and just say, Whoa, look at that. It grew, um, Mm -hmm. is, uh, is really, is, is nice. I mean, my wife and I, we were talking the other night about why do you, why do we like that? And, and what she was saying was, it's just great to know that some things happen without your effort. Mm-hmm. It's a miracle yeah. you know, to watch a vegetable grow. And mm-hmm. um, so it's incredibly therapeutic to, to plant, to weed, to water, and to check on it every day. Mm-hmm. Every so often, I do get a disappointment. Like this morning, I, I woke up and went out to, to do some watering, and some kind of animal came and bit the heads off a lot of my plants <laughs> that were growing. And I'm telling you, man, I like I felt this adrenaline Viking type rush go through me. Right. You know, like if I can find this animal, I'm totally going to stab it and I'm going to eat it. And (laughs) I will teach all animals out in the country to not mess with my garden. And then I went to Amazon.com and ordered a owl with a moving head. Oh, nice. uh, (laughs) And a sprinkler that's motion activated. So, you know. Why not? We'll see if it works. So it's, it's, it's good though. It's bringing out the best and worse in me. <laughs> that is awesome. I love that. The like protection of the garden. Do you garden? I do. I often tell people gardening is the most spiritual thing that I do. And mm. I mean, I think you get it, but people are always taken aback by that. Like, wait, what? You're a pastor. Surely it's praying and preparing to preach. And, and I also tell people it's the most like, discipling that I do. Uh, mm. So we've, yeah, we've loved gardening. I mean, living in the Pacific Northwest, you know, you throw a seed anywhere and it grows. <laughs> That's right. But I just, I don't know, there's something about what you just said. You, There's a few elements in your sort of perceived control, like, okay, I can plant, I can water, I can weed, 
you know, I could put on some fertilizer or whatever. But in the end of the day, the fruit is just totally a mystery and a miracle, you know. And so I mm-hmm. I so love that part of it and getting to do it with my children. And we always put our garden in the front of our house so that, you know, we'd spend a lot of time out there and see neighbors and friends and would be able to pull other people into helping us. And I don't know. Mm. It's just I think it's a beautiful thing. And I've never had to fight the animals, though. I think it's so cool that yeah you move from such an intense urban environment in both you know seattle washington tacoma area down to southern california and now you're yeah in this garden where your like whole family heritage exists i just think mm-hmm. yeah one that's really beautiful and then two that's just such a gift uh to the whole i mean broadly the church because i don't know i've always thought of you as such a wonderful gift because you've been in so many different places yet so attuned and listening to the spirit listening to others and i'm excited that yeah you're serving and saturate and we're on a team together yeah well thanks man no i'm i'm super grateful i i reflect on it quite often with people when they ask about the kind of work i get to do and to have gotten a lot of seats in a lot of places um really is not something i i deserved i just feel like i was able to be in a lot of places and meet people and do things all in the right timing. And, you know, between the executive coaching work that I started um, and then the church planning work I was also doing, it just sort of um, provided an environment for me to have a unique set of skills, kind of like Liam Neeson, yeah. you know, and t- yeah, exactly. Yeah, the- <laughs> you are you're Liam Neeson. <laughs> That's what I was just thinking. But I mean, you know, I I say that just kind of joking because he's under this bed. He's like, or, or he's talking to some his daughter's kidnapper. I have a certain set of skills, and the thing is, he didn't really think about it anymore. It was just who he had become, and right. I think that for me the unique types of work I've gotten been able to do have created this, um, you know, this set of skills that I'm able to contribute, not only my other coaching work, but also to the church. So I'm grateful for it. Yeah. So glad that we get to just tap into some of that, you know, some of who you are, some of your certain set of skills, some of those skills (laughs) today to talk about coaching. uh, Because yeah, I am, you know, also a coach, love coaching and it's powerful Uh, because, and it's also essential for any sort of sustained missional community movement, because if you're committed to decentralizing your discipleship, putting people in, you know, full ownership of making disciples who make disciples, and you're going to, you know, do all that equipping on the front end, you also have to have an ongoing investment in those leaders and their community uh, and the process that that God has them on. And so, yeah, coaching is just so essential and it's so vital. And that's why we wanted to take a podcast just to just sort of devote it all to that. And uh, in a little bit, we'll we'll even have some guys who've participated in Saturates Coaching come on and talk about that. But, but first, David, coaching is a term that just gets thrown around all the time. Like even, you know, when I was working for UPS and Hertz, both times, both huge, you know, corporations, I had a coach it was basically someone who came in and like walked through a worksheet with me. Uh, so the term is thrown around all the time. 
and you're actually legitimately an expert. You you coach uh, high level teams, executives, all that sort of thing. So, how would you define coaching, and what do you think its role actually is in a gospel movement, like we hope to see happen? You're right. There's a lot of things that the word coach is attached to. Like one time, I looked up on Glassdoor.com to see what jobs are out there for coaches. And I saw soccer coach, health coach, customer success <laughs> coach, parent coach, job coach. And um, so there's, it, there is a misunderstanding about what that means. Um, mm-hmm. So the simplest way I would define a coach is a thinking partner. And mm-hmm. then I would, I would also define coaching as a, as a verb and a noun. I would say coaching is a transformative process. And in particular, it's a transformative process where clients are guided in a non-directive way from where they're at to where they want to be. And I I add in non-directive way because if it doesn't have that in there, then it's not true coaching. Um, When we try to go in and guide people to what we think they need to know, it's not coaching. Right. It turns into kind of a form of consulting and people are not going to own their goals unless they have somebody walk with them, test them questions to figure out what do they want and how are they going to get there and to help them, you know, in that journey. Yeah. I love that. Just pointing that out. And I think that's one of the things that's so hard for us, uh, even as pastors or, or especially like in church leadership is we think that to, be a good leader means you know what people should do and you tell them what they should do and then you make them do that. Uh, Whereas coaching sort of turns all that on its head and says, actually, we're going to like walk through this guided process where you're actually discovering for yourself what God has called you to do, equipped you to do. And yeah, you're going to, you're going to do that on your own. It's just such a huge shift. Um, why, I guess, what else, you know, about coaching do you think makes it essential for, for a gospel movement? Uh, sort of drawing it even more specifically into starting these communities that are making disciples and, and all of that. Well, I think that from a, <clears throat> from a Christian worldview, um, we, we have to back up and remember what Jesus said, that he was going to send his spirit. And, um, and Jesus refers to the spirit as a guide. And that's actually another definition for a coach is a wise guide. And so from from the Christian worldview, we have Mm -hmm. to believe that the wise guide has been given to us already and put inside of us. And I think that's Mm -hmm. um, important for a lot of people to get because our culture is a telling culture. And, um, and, and I, I think that it's, it's gotten so bad in our world that people don't know how to ask questions anymore. They don't know how to own things to examine themselves. They just know how to pile on more information. And so what, so coaching is essential right. in our context of this podcast, Dimensional Communities and Church Planting, is because um, it models and encourages what it looks like to depend on the Holy Spirit that Jesus gave. Um, so as an mm-hmm. example, <clears throat> I remember when um, I first ended up in Tacoma and, and moved there in 2012, and I got to sit beside Jeff Vanderstel and a lot of other great leaders at that place at that time. And I took notes like crazy. Um, and 
Um, mm-hmm. As awesome as that was, what I started to see really quick is that having a guy like Jeff by my side all the time was not sustainable. And and just just to be right. frank, it's not sustainable to have an expert beside you all the time. Every so often, we do get lucky and we have somebody beside us that we can go to for help, mm-hmm. but they won't always be there. It's like being a parent, you know, you're not always going to be beside your kids. There will come a point where they have to grow up and go their own way. And hopefully you've equipped them with the tools to be successful mm-hmm. on their own. And so that's why the coaching process, learn to dig in deep, to ask questions and to help people own their own convictions is so important because you won't always have Jeff Vanderstelt with you as an example or Brad Watson or whoever, but you will always yeah. have the spirit with you. And the spirit goes with you everywhere. And so to teach people to back up and say, wait a minute, I can depend on what is already with me. Now that's sustainable and that can Mm -hmm. multiply, you know, having the experts, the books, internet, you know, whatever it is, whatever the resources are, is not reproducible. So when we get into a conversation Mm -hmm. about how do you, we multiply missional communities or reproduce leaders, I really think that. Um, mm-hmm. under it all, we have to recover our coaching skills and should we pursue some kind of coaching training, we need really great coaches. Um, yeah. so I, I think probably one more reason that, that coaching is, is, um, so important to a gospel movement is that, you know, the missional community dynamic or any movement that's decentralized, it naturally is going outward and in a variety of directions that aren't mm-hmm. controllable. And I think that's a really big difference between an institutional environment yeah. where things are kind of controlled, or at least they try for it, and it looks more like maybe mm-hmm. a business world context. Um, and so when you've got this outward thrusting, uncontrollable movement, learn to support that. Normal people mm-hmm. doing normal things in their normal neighborhoods or wherever it is that they feel like the Lord is sending them, um, if we can learn to support them in that, it's going to make them stronger. And um, it's kind of like the gardening, you know, conversation we started earlier. You know, like I went out there this morning to check on these plants. And yeah. I noticed there was this one plant that was growing faster than all the rest. It was a tomato plant. And it was starting to tip over a little bit. Mm. And I thought, man, I really want to just see this thing get huge. And because it's growing so well, I need a way mm-hmm. to support its growth. And um, I had a good friend in Tacoma, Justin Euler, who was a consultant. We were talking about organizational change and we were talking about structures. And he said, Mm -hmm. you know, out here in the Northwest, people really kind of balk at this idea of um, commitment and organization and structure. He said, but, you know, people say, can't we just let things happen organically? You know, you've heard people say that a lot, Brad is, and I'm sure you've heard a lot in Portland. Mm -hmm. Um, but really what that means is why do we have to commit to anything? Um, when what Justin told me, which was so helpful was he said, my lawn is organic, but unless there's a minimum, Mm -hmm. minimal amount of structure to support its growth, it's going to be a wreck. So there's watering it, there's cutting it. There's just simple things. Mm -hmm. It's not about the water. It's not about the cutting, but it's about the minimal amount of structure that will support that lawn to be the healthiest, the greenest it can be. Just like gardening, Mm -hmm. I think coaching is like that, is it's a minimal kind of structure to provide to people to support their growth. Right. Man, I I just love that. I I even love that analogy with 
the organic. You know, it's something we had to begin to say in Portland uh, with our own leaders is say, actually, like this is organized religion. What we're talking about is that there's organization to this organic growth that we see. But it's different than, like you said, this sort of top down thing. You know, it's one of the reasons that, you know, there's not a single, you know, missional community curriculum about like, hey, this is how you start one that goes past 12 weeks or 16 weeks, because everyone who's creating those, uh, even the saturate field guide that we have, everyone that makes those knows that, hey, after the 16 weeks, the very every community, every leader, every mission, every context is so unique. And also what the spirit's going to do there is so different that we can't, you know, fill out this grid and these steps, you know, 10 through 150 mm-hmm. that people should go on uh, because it's just that's just not practical or sustainable and we'd just be wrong you know we, um, and I think that is one of the ways that um, in our culture like you said such a telling culture also just such a um, you know let's reproduce everything kind of culture exactly the same way um, like if you get a you know a mocha at Starbucks in Portland, it tastes the exact same as a mocha that you get in Tokyo or Prague or or any of those places. And we like that part of it. And we think, oh, that's what it means to make disciples and start these communities or, or even transition our churches or plant new churches is we're just Mm -hmm. making carbon copies. And I think that's even one of the beauties that we have in the new Testament is just such a plurality of leaders and a diversity of leaders a variety of contexts in the New Testament where there's different unique issues to each church, each people, each set of leaders even, and, and different seasons you see like much more uh, structure and clarity than you see in other seasons because, uh, I don't know, that's just like the work mm-hmm. of, of God. Um, but like you said too, um, we really need these guides <laughs> or these Sherpas or these coaches who can say, okay, like you're at point A, and you want to get to point B, let me be a guide or thinking partner Mm -hmm. in that process. Um, I'm such a dork and that's my favorite. You know, I I love a dictionary (laughs) and dictionary definitions. And so when I first got into coaching, I was like, man, there's so many terms going around. I've got to just look it up in a dictionary. And the original definition, like number one definition you get is it's a horse-drawn carriage that takes people from point A to point B. It's like, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. like that's what we're doing. Um, And I think, like you said, coaching is such a wonderful relationship and a conversation. Uh, It's a noun and a verb that just really helps people get where they're already headed. You know, Um, missional communities and leaders want to make disciples um, and they want to be used in forming communities that are centered around the gospel and that are on mission as well, doing it in the daily ordinary stuff of life. Um, But that's a really long process with many steps. Uh, And what I realize is we kind of equip a lot of leaders and they're starting at, you know, point A, like I have all this zeal and desire and I can't wait to do it. And they're looking all the way to point Z, you know, like way out there. And they're thinking, okay, how do I go from here to there? I need to, how do I skip the mess, the suffering, um, the growth that hasn't been discovered? Surely there's a book I can read or, you know, enough videos, like you were saying. 
Um, but really what those leaders need is a coach that just helps them think through and process and listen to the spirit one step at a time, you know, like a stage coach, you know, back in the wild west, like someone who can help you go from point A to point B, then C, then D, you know, and all the way down because yeah, we're trying to, uh, help leaders live what they already believe to be true. Um, and so yeah, I just think it's a it's a wonderful thing. And, and even for me to learn how to be a coach has been really transformative because I had to learn how to listen, how to offer truth that's the gospel, you know, enough truth to help, help people move forward, um, challenge leaders to, and just a whole lot of, yeah, just relying on um, my trust that, oh, God's going to lead these people. Um, so, yeah, I think... Uh, we're really hopefully defining well what it means to be a coach as we just help people grow in clar- clarity, perspective, their awareness, and they move forward. Um, all of this is really great theory. It's moving. I'm even like inspired to like coach my <laughs> next leader. But uh, but I think it's still ambiguous because so a lot of people have never been coached that way, never experienced it. So um, David, how do you sort of see this whole coaching stuff, uh, this coaching reality, this guiding that we've been talking about, get worked out in real life, like real discipling relationships? Well, <clears throat> I want to return to something you said a minute ago about moving people from A to Z. Um, I was in um, Tanzania a couple months ago. I'm a, I'm a part of a nonprofit um, that rescues children out of really bad situations called small steps for compassion. And, um, I was out there with a number of college Mm. students that were from various places, but in particular point Loma and San Diego. And, um, and a couple of students were talking to me, they're just so inspired by this children's home there. And they're like, why aren't more people doing this? And I said to them, I Mm. said, because I think it's because, um, we, in our culture, we love the finished product. We love what looks sexy and polished. And I was telling these guys, said, this is a hundred steps away. I said, the reason people aren't doing this is because they're not willing to take step one or two. And I think that we want to be at step 100 without taking, realizing that saying yes to a children's home in Tanzania started with opening their, uh, your home to somebody. And I, I said to these guys, somewhere in your neighborhood, there's a single mom with some kids and there's a little boy, and he doesn't have anybody to throw a football with him. I said, this journey doesn't start with you catapulting into Tanzania and starting a children's home. This journey starts with you learning to say yes to the kid that's next door to you. And so I think that the coaching process Hmm. is really about helping people identify, like, what's the first one or two steps that are going to get me in that direction? And, you know, I've seen this work itself out practically um, in many, many ways. I got a lot of personal examples. I've got church planner examples. I've got executive examples. Which one, Brad, would be most helpful to hear about? I'm going to coach you now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, you know, I would love to hear, yeah, maybe in just like the simplest way. Um, yeah, just an, a normal everyday disciple. I think that's, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that would be really 
I'm curious to see what sort of story you can yeah. pull out from that. Like someone maybe in a community or someone that's mm-hmm. growing up as a leader and just, yeah, a conversation yeah. that you've had. Well, um, I got two. One is with a neighbor. Another is with a missional community leader. Um, year, years ago, I had a neighbor of mine who was coming to know Jesus and um, really had an issue with suffering. And he just couldn't get past if God was so good while the suffering in the world. And um, this question came to my mind. And again, this is coaching skills. All right. So the question came to my mind and I said to him, well, I'll tell you what, I'll answer that question if you can answer this one. And I think so often we take the bait of the first thing somebody says, instead of really trying to get underneath the question to see what really it's about and so I, I went ahead and went with my gut and took a chance. And I said, um, you know, there have been a lot of people in this world who have suffered worse than me or you ever will. And they were okay with it. Mm-hmm. And so what's the difference mm-hmm. then between you and them? Because they were okay with it and they didn't think it was a problem and you're not okay with it. And you're saying it is a problem. Like, what's the difference? Mm. And he, he kind of paused for a minute or so of awkward silence. And eventually he said, touche, you got me. I don't have an answer for that. And and that led us down a really mm-hmm. interesting conversation that was very different from the first question he asked. The, the first question he asked was, you know, what about God and suffering? Like, explain that. But the conversation got changed mm-hmm. all of a sudden to, right. why do I have such a hard time personally with this? And it led us into a really rich mm. conversation about worldview. Um, so that's an example of how coaching skills mm. work just by reframing things, asking good questions. But, you know, it, I've right. seen this play itself out in the lives of missional community leaders, too. When I was planting in Southern California, um, my mother's uh, cancer really progressed rapidly and I had to step out to take care of her. And I was gone for about six months. And um, that's one of the reasons we ended up out here mm. in Tennessee was to take a time of healing from that crazy experience. But what happened was um, I was not around to really steer the ship. And so I did the only thing I, I knew how to do, which was to just coach from a distance. And um, I had to just say to myself, mm-hmm. okay, what are the minimal things you can do from a distance? And one of which was organize a weekly meeting with my leaders to have conversations with them about what was going on in the community and our missional community. And then in the neighborhood and what was going well, it wasn't going well. Mm. And then I began to ask them every week. So what do you think a good goal is right now to set based on what's around you? And this one conversation with one of our leaders, um, she said to me, you know, we're really surrounded by a lot of people who are hurting like this neighbor over here, just lost um, a boyfriend. This neighbor over here lost a husband and a parent um, suddenly in an accident. And they listed off like three or four neighbors who had lost somebody recently. And it was just, Mm. they were surrounded by a lot of pain. And so I said, so then what do you think the goal is in light of this? And they said, we need Mm. to figure out how we can be good news to all these people around us. And so I said, what do you think? What are your ideas about that? Mm. And they basically thought up some super simple things. You know, we need to invite these people in for a meal. We need to give them a night off so they don't have to worry about eating. And they thought up this really great plan, but it wasn't something I could have thought up because I wasn't in it with them like I was normally. 
And I find that when we're, when we as leaders are in the trenches mm. with people, normally we tend to think we know what should happen and we might, mm. but we don't back up yeah. as naturally to say, wait a minute, I am not in this. I want to let them own it. And though I may be mm. in it with them, I want to let them own, you know, what's going on around and figure out how to move forward because they're going to think of a plan that's very, very different from yeah. what we would have thought of normally. Um, so anyway, so that's, those are oh, some yeah. examples, personal and missional community examples. Wow. I love both of those stories. And, you know, something that just even came to my mind was how often we were really attracted to the sort of the decentralized movement of the gospel through these leaders and communities. And so we, we even say stuff like, it's not about the event. It's not about the Sunday show, you know, all of that stuff. But I think as you're saying that I realized, man, how often do we as church planters or leaders uh, of churches, you know, sort of shut that down. It's like, yeah, it's not a centralized thing around this Sunday morning gathering anymore. We're like, it's all of life every day. But what we end up doing is make it centralized <laughs> around us. You know, it's centralized on the leaders, opinions and strategies and beliefs, you know, it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to tell you like how to do these stuff, you know, like let me come in and tell you what our mission is going to be. And you need to make sure that people are doing this, uh, you know, yeah. these five steps or whatnot. And coaching is sort of the thing that kind of breaks that because it's like, oh, it's actually, it truly is where like you just share that story of um, I'm not in charge and all I can actually do is ask questions because I'm so right. far away and, yeah. and you're responsible, you know, and, and it's, yeah, one of the ways that we help people kind of take responsibility for their own learning as, as a disciple of Jesus. Right. I got to interject here, man. I, I I'm going to write about this at some point, yeah. maybe soon, but I think that one of the key differences between what is being called today a missional church and institutional church is ownership. I think mm -hmm. it's ownership. It is personal responsibility yeah. and ownership. Um, because in an institutional setting, people point to outsiders who are perhaps their leaders and say, what are you going to do to fix this? Or what are you going to do to take care of me? Mm -hmm. And I think the difference in a church and missional communities, mm -hmm. and honestly, in being a disciple of Christ, is that we learn to back up and say, Holy Spirit, what would you have me do? Or what, what would you have me know? And then how would you have me to move and um, you know, make, make a plan, help me guide me with this plan to, to walk forward? and do something about this and own this for myself. Yeah. I think that the story I shared, you know, about our missional community leader in, in California mm -hmm. was it's, it really just exemplifies what happens when you create a setting for people to own their own things. And, you right. know, you may yeah. have heard these examples before about how many churches, they raise up people who are dependent on their pastor and that's not ownership. That's an institutional yeah. view of we're looking to somebody else to preserve what is to keep me happy, as opposed to this other way of thinking, which mm -hmm. is no, as leadership, I'm, I'm shifting, you know, what I'm saying here now as leaders, we're saying, no, actually, I'm not going to try to make you happy or keep you content. I'm just going to ask you questions mm -hmm. um, that are going to change the conversation, kind of like I did with that neighbor Coaching is a change right. of conversation. It's you coming to the table saying, you know what? This is really what you want to talk about. So, okay, let's start there. Let's ask you about that. And let's determine yeah. what's a worthwhile goal in the midst of mm -hmm. this for you to move forward with. Whoa, that's very right. different. Totally. And I think what you're hitting on there is such a area of unbelief that we struggle with, which is 
can God really work mm-hmm. when I'm not in charge or I'm yeah. not in control, you know, because I think you're hitting it right on the head of, man, there's a lack of ownership, but there's also a lack of distributing ownership, you know? And yeah, I think for, for us, you know, if we're wanting to switch, uh, take the hat off from being a teller and having the control and, and sort of give those things away, we would have to, um, realize that the Holy spirit is actually making disciples and people's lives and active and speaking. And, and we would have to trust that, uh, which I think is, yeah, t- such a hard, um, place to start, but we often agree to that theologically. We're like, of course we're priesthood of believers. The Holy Spirit's, you know, leads us, guides us, comforts us, all of that. But then in our lives, we basically live out a narrative, which says, Hey, if I'm not, you know, directing, and calling people to myself, then uh, nothing's going to happen. And so, yeah, I think think what you're hitting on it is yeah has so many I don't know tentacles across <laughs> uh, the church today, and it's uh it's it's like really good stuff. Um, so I I think yeah I I want to get us to a few like practical places for where people could start before. Um, before we go, because I think we we have, you know, FYI to everyone, we have a bunch of resources on the Saturate website. You could probably just go to the saturatetheworld.com and then there's a search bar. You could type in coaching and there's a ton of stuff and videos of, of you, David, talking through stuff. Um, but for everyone listening right now, you know, what are like steps one or two in learning how to coach? Like, where's your place to start, you know, growing up to being the kind of person to ask your questions, you know? Uh, of your neighbor and of the, your community. They're definitely not going to get step 100 tomorrow, but what's step one or two? Yeah, I think before you take step one, there's a couple of preliminary things. I think first of all is what you said earlier, Brad, about <clears throat> realizing the Holy Spirit is the primary disciple maker. Um, because if we don't believe that the Holy Spirit is at work, we will take over and we'll start telling which again is an indictment on a lot of mm. modern day evangelism. It's a lot of telling and we got to back up and say, wait a minute. Yeah. We got to ask, we got to get to know people, become real friends and believe that the Holy spirit is working and that we're a part of that. Um, I would say, you know, another preliminary item is just practice a couple conversations where you're not allowed to actually tell anything, but your only role in the conversation is to ask questions and to keep it going. No goal, but just practice and see how hard it is because mm. it's very hard if you've never done it. So once you're humbled by that <laughs> experience, oh, yeah. um, then you're ready to take a few steps. Yeah. And um, so get humbled before you attempt it. And then here's some steps you could you could try. Mm-hmm. Um, first, learning coaching skills 101. Okay. First would be to, um, to, to determine what's the context for the conversation you're going to have with this person. What are they trying to accomplish? And do they even want help accomplishing it? Because if they don't want help accomplishing something, don't even take them there. They're not, they don't want a coach. They want a therapist. Right. They want a friend. They want a mentor. All these other things. Right. But if they want help accomplishing and moving forward, then let's go there. Um, so, so take some time to establish what we would call the foundation or establish the coaching relationship. So as an example, mm-hmm. if I'm coaching an executive, I'm usually having a conversation with them about um, organizational change, working with teams. So that's the context. So if I'm working with a mm-hmm. church planter or a missional community leader, I know the, the conversations are going to be geared in some way 
toward discipleship. So start off by establishing the relationship. Mm -hmm. Second of all, once you do that, really connect with somebody. We, we so often fall into this trap mm -hmm. of trying to help someone solve a problem, and we forget there's a real person under there. Mm -hmm. I've heard somebody say once that we need to coach yeah. the person, not the problem. And so many times what we do in attempts mm -hmm. to coach the problem is help somebody get something done. And that's not primarily what coaching is about. That's mm -hmm. a byproduct of coaching a person. So set a, set a good uh, connection point by genuinely asking somebody as an example, hey, so how are you doing today? I mean, imagine that and actually wanting to know, mm -hmm. how are you doing? So really make that connecting point. Yeah. Um, once you've connected with somebody and you start to develop a relationship with them in this kind of context, then I simply ask them, mm -hmm. what is it you're hoping to accomplish by the end of our conversation by today? And this is really about asking them, yeah. what's your goal for this, uh, for this conversation? Or if you're in a mm -hmm. real coaching scenario, coaching session. So what is it you're hoping to accomplish? And so somebody might come to the table and say, man, I really am trying to figure out as a missional community leader, for example, you know, how can I get my missional community to really care about my elementary school? Just, you know, to pull, pull a kind of random mm -hmm. example. Um, what I would do from there is I'd say, okay, so it sounds like your goal is to figure out how to get your missional community to really love and engage with your elementary school. Is that right? Yeah, that's my goal. And then I would say, well, what, what ways forward do you see right now? You know, like, what are some of your options? Mm -hmm. And let them list them out. And as they list those options, you're going to yeah. hear things from them things that are better options, things that are worse options. You're going to hear about hopes and fears, and you're going to have an opportunity mm -hmm. to really coach a person. Hey, tell me more about that concern of yours. Tell me more about that option. Why do you like that? Why do you not like that? You know, just be a curious person. And then after they've worked through their options and we've kind of explored some personal things with them, then um, I would ask, hey, so mm -hmm. of those options, like, which is the best one? And they would say, well, man, maybe it's this one. Okay, great. And then I would, I would ask them, um, are there any pot potential barriers that might get in your way? So I help them develop a contingency plan. So they're going to move forward and say, I'm going to do this. Oh, but this is an obstacle. Nobody at my, in my missional community has kids at the school. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, how could you overcome that? And they would have to think of a creative way to get their yeah. missional community to engage in the life of the people at the school. And then at the conclusion of that conversation, mm -hmm. I would just simply ask them, hey, what have you realized from our conversation today? Or what were some takeaways? And then specifically, I would guide them to, um, as you know, in, in the context of everything that we've talked about today um, and your realizations and your takeaways, mm -hmm. what do you see yourself doing in the next few weeks? So in other words, what's your plan as a result of this conversation? And they'll come up with a conversation, yeah. um, a plan out of the conversation that they thought up not me. And it's going to be way better because they knew the situation way better than I did. It really is that that simple. And I love how you just outline that um, from, you know, the personal change that goes on inside of someone to, hey, there's, there's like six basic like steps in this process that actually begins with, mm -hmm. hey, where do you want to go? <laughs> you know, uh, uh, that's, that's kind of a conversation starter that, that thrives. Um, in, in relationships where, and it, and it helps relationships thrive. What, what are right. you wanting to accomplish? Uh, what do you want to see happen? And, and what are you uh, mm -hmm. feeling led to do? Yeah. Um, I love that as, 
even just like the places to start. Um, you know, just I think I'd only add uh, one thing if if someone's like, man, how do I become that kind of person? Uh, besides the skill of, hey, engage conversations where you're not mm-hmm. allowed to tell someone anything. I think once you've mastered that, another cool thing to add is, okay, now in these conversations, I can I can ask questions still. And if I'm going to tell someone something, it has mm. it's going to be an encouragement. It's going to be a, hey, I saw this. I'm going to reflect mm-hmm. it and put it back to you. You know, um, there was a leader in our church who we were, I had coached him for six months. He had started community and always, you know, trying to get people uh, in this community to like really care about this mission to their street and their neighborhood. And then, you know, one day we were talking and uh, just like, how are you doing? Like that step. And he, he, he came in pretty quickly with tears of, well, I just went to this thing that where they were talking about all the foster care needs in our city. And I thought about all the children and I haven't been able to weep. And wow. it's been like three days and I'm still hmm. a wreck about this. And I stopped and I was like, to this leader, I said, man, we've talked for like six months, you know, a couple times a month. And you have never come close to shedding a tear. Now you are. You've been. You've also been really angsty and frustrated. It's like I think, I think God's shown you clearly right now mm-hmm. what you care about, and and God is actually. You've been wondering when is God going to do something, and make people care. It's like I think mm-hmm. God just made you care, you know. And that's an amazing. Like let's just stop now. <laughs> his name was David also. It was like, Dave, let's like stop and just marvel at that. Like the Holy Spirit yeah. is speaking to you. Um, and that like um, what God was doing in his life in that season has drastically changed his life. But what he needed is um, just someone to like name mm-hmm. what was going on, yeah. you know. And so I think those are kind of like the two things that we can begin practicing is okay i'm not going to tell anybody i'm just going to listen and when i'm when i've got that down the only things i'm going to say now are going to be those sorts of encouragement observation stuff yeah man and i would add to the encouragements is just you know just a reality check after that to you know if we're staying in the staying in that mode of, Mm -hmm. of a great coach you know here's some things i see um dave you know is that does that sound accurate to you um, what, what resonates about what right, I've said definitely. and just call it out of him and allow him then to, again, take responsibility mm-hmm. and move forward. But I absolutely agree. If a coach is a wise guide, then yeah, point out things that perhaps haven't been seen, but then reflect back to them uh, or deflect back to them with, with questions to mm-hmm. say, how does that resonate with you? What do you think of that? And then ask yeah. them, you know, of what mm-hmm. I said or what is convicting to you. You know, how do you see yourself um, being affected and moving forward by it or with this? That's what I would do. But yeah, I absolutely agree. That's good stuff. The very last hurrah that we like to do on this uh, podcast is just sort of recommend resources. So um, what would you like recommend as a resource beyond the saturate coaching resources that people can find? What is, um, yeah, what's a main resource? You know, the coaching field can be a little bit hokey because um, there's a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of good stuff out there, but a lot of weird stuff out there also. And so 
for followers of Christ from a Christian worldview, I'd recommend Keith Webb's book called The Coach Model for Christian Leaders. Keith has worked with, with us at Saturate, mm-hmm. and we use a lot of his materials. And um, highly recommend as a great book that helps a person understand coaching and why it's so important mm-hmm. and gives some practical examples of how you could pra- begin to practice this uh, coaching skills. So I would check out Keith Webb's model, um, the coach model for Christian leaders. And then of course, a lot of great things on the, on the Saturate websites, uh, website too. No, I completely agree. And, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, that's, it's so nice for us to just be able to filter through all this stuff and say, Hey, this guy's <laughs> book, Keith Webb's book is, is gold. Go do that. Cause there's yeah. so much, like you just said. And, um, yeah. And so, but then honestly, you know, one of the other ways, best ways to learn how to coach is to actually experience it. And so, um, yeah, so we're actually going to sort of do a bonus today and we're going to take a little break, stretch our legs, go to the bathroom, that sort of stuff. Then we're going to come back and we're going to bring in some people that have actually been in the saturate cohort, uh, that, that David's been leading coaching people. And so we'll, we'll include, uh, these other leaders and, and uh, pastors back in and uh, sort of talk through what does that look like for us and saturate? How do we lead these cohorts and, and what's it, what is that good for anyway? Uh, so you can learn, yeah, just how uh, this coaching process has helped shape people. So uh, thanks for joining us, Dave, and all this wonderful wisdom. And uh, yeah, we'll just come back with an awesome bonus session. All right, let's do it. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. This podcast is produced by Saturate. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.